will celebrate uh, this morning, uh, looking at the, the last part of Psalm 118, uh, the last two verses as we prepare to um, hear the Lord speak to us. Psalm 118, verses 28 and 29. Hear the word of God. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The word of God, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come with thanksgiving this day. We come because you have made this day. You've come that this is a day that you've made that we may be glad and rejoice. And this day in particular is a day that we are able to rest. You call us to rest from our labors, that we would be reminded to rest in you. But I pray now as we hear your word, you would speak to us and remind us of your great love, that we may rest in that. Shape us, free us. Change us, we pray, to the glory of your name in Christ. Amen. It's Thanksgiving Day. And the aroma of roast turkey fills Charlie Brown's house. Blowing out the windows into the yard, Snoopy is outside, lying atop of his doghouse, smelling the aroma and thinking, it's Thanksgiving Day. Everybody eats turkey on Thanksgiving Day. And so he lies there, watching waiting expectantly, eagerly awaiting his Thanksgiving dinner. And then Charlie Brown comes out and pours dog food in his bowl. Snoopy's a little bit miffed. He's thinking, everybody eats turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Rather forlorn and frustrated, he thinks, just because I'm a dog, I have to eat this stuff on Thanksgiving Day? In the next, spray, next uh, block or square of the cartoon shows Snoopy looking at the dog food a little more intently and thinking, it could be worse. I could be a turkey. Um, It's just a vivid reminder that perspective changes everything. And I suspect it's important for us because I also suspect that most of us are probably at least a little less thankful than we ought to be. Many of us take a great deal in life for granted. Many of us are far more aware of our needs or what we consider to be our needs than our abundance. And some among us, myself included, at least towards God, are more prepared to complain than to thank. But woven throughout the scriptures, and particularly throughout the Old Testament, we see a, a flowing refrain that is calling God's people to be a thankful people. Over 138 passages in the Old Testament call God's people to be thankful. And among those passages is uh, the passage that we read this morning, and particularly uh, uh, verse uh, 29, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His, his steadfast love endures forever. That phrase itself, or, or some very slight variation of it, appears 45 times in the Old Testament. And so 
over and over again in the Old Testament, God is calling his people to be a thankful people. And this words here give us a pattern for thinking about the whole thing as we prepare ourselves for the holiday season. It begins with simple instruction and an invitation and actually a command. Give thanks. And there's many reasons for us to give thanks. Among them is thankfulness is an asset towards our mental and emotional health. In an article that I read this week called Giving Thanks Can Make You Happier from Harvard Health and Publishing from Harvard Medical School. Uh, Listen to what the authors wrote. Research, and parenthetically and common sense, suggests that one aspect of the Thanksgiving season can actually lift the spirits and it's built right into the holiday, being grateful. The word gratitude is derived from the Latin word gratia, which means grace, graciousness, or gratefulness, depending on the context. In some ways, gratitude encompasses all of these meanings. Gratitude is a thankful appreciation for what an individual receives, whether tangible or intangible. With gratitude, people acknowledge the goodness in their lives. In the process people usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside of themselves. As a result, being grateful also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, to nature, or to a higher power. Again, this is Harvard, not Harvard of old, uh, but Harvard of today. And so they're being a little, I'll just say, imprecise, uh, but we know higher power that they used to know. Anyway, uh, the article goes on and says this, in positive psychology research, Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. And so there's a tremendous benefit in in just simply taking the time and to give thanks. Another article that uh, I I read this week that came came out actually just um, two weeks ago um, from uh, the... um, uh, Forbes Health uh, says this uh, in terms of gra- how gratitude uh, can change your brain. Gratitude unshackles us from toxic emotions, and then gratitude actually makes a change in the brain. And studies that ha- they have done so that they took random groups and some of them, uh, they, they told them to go out and, you know, write different notes of, of thankfulness uh, to, to people. They had another group and told them to write Nate notes, you know, not to anybody, but complaints, write your complaints down. And another group that did nothing. And they then came back and they had done, uh, first they, they scanned the brains of all the people and then they spent um, a couple of weeks writing these notes or not writing these notes or writing out their complaints. And then they checked the, the brain uh, in the, the frontal lobes again and they recognized there's actual change, a transformation that takes place in the brain when we are giving thanks. It's actually an incredible thing that God who has created us has wired us in such a way that when we obey what he's called us to do, when we think about uh, the ways that we have been blessed, it changes us. And, and the writer here and throughout the scripture says, give thanks. Now, one thing that's important as we should recognize is that the, uh, there, there is no word in Hebrew that corresponds to what we tend to think of in terms of thanks. There's a number of different words, but it's far more pregnant. And in the Hebrew, the concept, and, and maybe we, we kind of get this, but you know, thanks is just a, a response. Somebody says something nice to you, thanks. Have a good day, thanks. You know, I mean, it's just, we don't necessarily think about that. But the words that are in Hebrew that are most commonly used for thanks involve two different aspects, one of which is it's the feeling of gratitude. In other words, recognizing 
what you have. There's an appreciation. And then second is the expression. It's the same word that we use for confession. And so in the concept here, when the writer of the, of the psalm is saying, give thanks, he's not just simply saying, okay, we come, thanks. It's, it's to consider. Or as somebody once wrote, count your blessings and name them one, but whatever, however it is comes to your mind, it, it's, it's, it's to entertain that, it's to process it, and then also to express that thankfulness. We have much to be thankful for. But the writer here is also very concerned about something else. While there's many people and many things in your life that you'll be thankful for, the writer of Hebrews, or the, I'm sorry, I'm still stuck a couple weeks ago, aren't I? That's eh, Psalms. He was Hebrew, whoever wrote it. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, so, um, but um, he's concerned as to who we also give our thanks to. And throughout the Old Testament, we are told that there is only one who is absolutely worthy of our thanks. And that's what the writer here is saying. Give thanks to the Lord. And in one sense, we might say, well, of course, we're supposed to give thanks to the Lord. But it's also one of those things that we tend to take for granted. I don't know how many of you are fans of old movies, the classic movies, but I, I just couldn't help but thinking this week of, of the movie Shenandoah with Jimmy Stewart uh, this week. If you're familiar with it, you probably know where I'm going with this. In the movie Shenandoah, Jimmy Stewart plays a, a stars as a, as a character named Charlie Anderson. He's a, a Virginia farmer who's trying to keep his family out of the Civil War. And he gathers uh, regularly throughout the, uh, um, throughout the, the film uh, with his family uh, around the table, particularly on, on Sundays. Uh, and there's one empty spot uh, at, at the place where his wife had passed away. And Anderson is both a, a good man and a, a bitter man. And clearly he's bitter at God for the fact that his wife had passed away. And his bitterness exemplifies itself in a lot of different ways. And one of the refrains that is common throughout this, and you know, you, you get the idea the family had seen it, is whenever they gather for the meal, he, he makes this statement. He said, now your mother wanted all of you to be raised as good Christians, and I might not be able to do that thorny job as, as well as she could, but I can do a little something about your manners. And then he says, so let us pray. And this is the prayer that he offers several times throughout the, throughout the film. Lord, we cleared this land, we plowed it, we sowed it, we harvested it, we cooked the harvest, we wouldn't be here, we wouldn't be eaten if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog-boned hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for the food we're about to eat. Now, very few people would be that blunt and that honest, but the fact of the matter is, I suspect that there are many of us that are here, uh, maybe all of us are here at some time or another, ha have kind of had that sense is, you know, we work, there's, there's a lot of things that we have. And it's not that we begrudge giving thanks to the Lord, but we are not as inclined to give thanks to the Lord because we just focus on what it is that we have done, sometimes losing sight of the fact that there's nothing we would have done if God hadn't created the opportunities for us, hadn't given us the abilities to do this. Even in what we do, even the gift and the abilities to, to do and to, to participate, those gifts come from God. And so we're told that we are to give thanks to God. And the writer here tells us as to why. And he gives us two reasons. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. Now, I think about that for a moment and, and I've thought about this at, at different times. It's like, okay, God is good. 
It just seems to be such an underwhelming word, doesn't it? I mean, good. You know, I can imagine Thanksgiving meal, sitting around. Uh, our daughter Rebecca has decided that she wants to cook it this year, so we're going to go to D.C. with her. And, you know, and, and, and uh, the response is, yeah, that was good. It just seems to be very underwhelming of appreciation for that. And, 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 and yet, the word is complete in itself. Because it doesn't just deal with circumstances, but it's God's nature that is being reflected here. And the scripture says that God is good in his own character. And that itself is important and it's something that we ought to be thankful for. I appreciate the idea of John Piper puts out in his book, um, The Pleasures of God, subtitled The The Meditations of God's Delight in Being God. And, And one of the things that he says there is that we should be thankful for the fact that God never has a bad day. We kind of take that for granted. You know, most of us at some point in high school or college read about the, you know, the, the Greek and the Roman mythological gods and how they were you know, just kind of up and down and erratic. And, and Piper reminds us that God never has a bad day. He never has a day where he gets up and he's grumpy regardless of what things are going on in the world. And because God in his very nature is good, therefore everything he does is good. Everything that he does toward us is good. Everything that he provides for those who he loves is good. Because his very nature is good, because we can trust that God is good, then we can get up each day and recognize that whatever it is that I'm going to deal with, whether it's good or not good, God intends it to shape us for the good. He's using that. Because even when we're dealing with things that are difficult, even when we're dealing with things that are hard, it is not because God's having a bad day and decided that he just wants to grumble or punish somebody. God in his very nature is good. And we give thanks to the fact that God is good because there is a stability. There is a foundation that regardless of what we face, we know that fundamentally God is good and that never changes. And because God is good, then what he is doing with us and he is doing in us is good. And so for that reason, we are able and we ought to give him thanks. But the writer of the psalm goes on and says, not only is God good, we give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, his love endures forever as part of his goodness. I mean, so at least in one sense, it's, it's redundant, but in another sense, it is zeroing and shining the light. It's, it's enlightening us as to the particular aspect of God's nature and God's goodness. And that aspect is that God is love. His love endures forever. And the Old Testament affirms the fact of God's love endures forever, over and over and over again. And we give thanks for that because this, I want you to think about this, and some of you perhaps even more than others right now. It's not more true for some than others, but some need to hear it more than others. There will never be a time in your life when God does not love you. See, the word that is used in this text and and over and over again in in the Hebrew scriptures is a word that is used to describe God's covenant relationship with his people. And and covenant is the, the nature of the relationship 
that we have with God. And covenant is more than a contract. Covenant is not just a convenience. Covenant is a, a, a sacrifice, or it is, it is a, as uh, theologian Palmer Robertson says, it's a bond in blood that is sovereignly administered. In other words, a covenant is so serious that a violation of the covenant warrants death. And God has this relationship with the people, and it is so serious that he, he won't break it, regardless of the circumstances. And we see throughout the scriptures over and over again, sometimes he keeps his covenant, even despite us. God's people are fickle, but God is the same. God's people rebel, but he repays our doubts and our disobedience with kindness. And the writer says, we give thanks to the Lord because his love endures forever. And so not only is God loving, but it's permanent. Whatever happens, it doesn't change God's love even when we're not actively loving him, even when we doubt him, when we rebel. God's love endures through all things. It, it endures for all time. And the writer who's pondering this is inviting us to consider God and to consider these truths of God and to recognize that these are the foundations, these are the motivations for us to be a thankful people. It's Thanksgiving week. And as most of you sitting in this room know that the concept of Thanksgiving does not originate with the pilgrims. It doesn't even originate up the road at Berkeley Plantation, though, as we all know, that's where the first Thanksgiving on American soil was, was held, despite what they'll say over and over and over on the news all week long. It didn't originate with George Washington, who made the first decree. It didn't originate with Abraham Lincoln, who was the one who made it into a, a national holiday. Although I read something this week that was rather fascinating. Um, you may not know the name Sarah uh, Josephine Hale. I, I really didn't know it either, but she's the one who uh, wrote the, uh, the, the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Apparently she's the one who decided that Thanksgiving ought to be a national holiday. And so she petitioned and kind of begged and kind of nudged Lincoln. And Lincoln said, no, it's a good idea. And so uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb, uh, which actually is pertinent to what we're going to say in a moment, is, is the reason that there is a thanksgiving. And, and the fact is, the ultimate reason that we should be thankful is because Mary had a little lamb. We'll start talking about that next week. But thanksgiving is closely associated with the, you know, the, the Hebrew feasts that were celebrated every year at, at harvest, particularly uh, the Feast of Sukkoth. Sometimes it's better known, at least to, to many of us, as the, as the Feast of Tabernacles or, or the Feast of Booths. 
The Feast of Sukkoth was celebrated every year, and it was uh, God's institution for the people to celebrate as an expression of giving thanks to God. It was celebrated right after the harvest, usually about five days after uh, Yom Kippur, the, the Day of Atonement, and that itself is significant as well. The Day of Atonement, it was the day that was celebrated, reminding you that the sacrifice would be offered once that year for the sins to be forgiven, but it also was a foreshadow of the one sacrifice offered at one time in the person of Jesus Christ. But this sacrifice was also to remind how God had provided for his people at a time when they were wandering in the wilderness. And so the way this was celebrated is people would set up the sukkots, which is a little booth or a little tent. And they would go together and they would celebrate. And each people, the people that would celebrate this, they would live in their tent for the weekend or for the week of, of the celebration as a remembrance of God's provision, as a remembrance of a way of expressing thankfulness to the way that God had provided for them, even when they had no way of providing for themselves. And the timing of this, as they were taking in the harvest of the celebration, they would have a big feast and they would celebrate this. All of this was a precursor to the whole idea of Thanksgiving. And our Thanksgiving tradition is rooted in that celebration. But what maybe you haven't thought about is the ultimate provision and how it is such an appropriate thing for us to have this holiday leading us into the Advent season. Many of you are aware of John begins his letter with these, with his, 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 uh, his gospel with these words in the beginning And then moves on as he's talking about the one who dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Interestingly, the word that is that he made his dwelling among us is the same word as tabernacle or sukkoth. Now again, back up for just a second. The way that people celebrated Thanksgiving that God had initiated in the Feast of Sukkoth was by setting up tents to remember uh, what God had provided for them because when they were wandering in the wilderness, they, they lived in temporary shelter. So they were doing that in order to say thanks to God for the harvest that they had just received. The word here could be literally translated and Jesus Christ came and he pitched, pitched his tent among us. In other words, in the person of Jesus Christ, God is providing the ultimate example of the Feast of the Sukkoth, of, Sukkoth, of the Feast of, of the Booths, of, of the Tabernacles. God's gift to us as a reminder that he is the source of everything that we have. And as it was in God's day, in, God, in, the, in, the, in the day of, of Israel, We give thanks to God, not only for the harvest and the abundance, but ultimately for the sacrifice that he offered in order that we might have the relationship with him. And he's going to wrap up with this this morning. For all of us who are here, as we gather around our tables on Thursday, I want to encourage you to take a moment to consider and to share, not only to, to feel, but to express the, the whole idea of thankfulness. Not just the abundance of the harvest, which it's not to say that's wrong because that's a way of, and, and a reason to give thanks to God. But take a moment to share what gospel graces you're thankful for.
God did send his only son because he loves the world. And my hope is that you and I will be more overflowing with thankfulness to God than we are with turkey and stuffing. Give thanks to the Lord. He's good. And he loves you more than you imagine. Father, bless us. Bless us with simply opening our eyes to see how you have already blessed us in more ways than we know. Bless us as we consider how you have given us one who pitched his tent to be a part of us, that we can be part of you. Bless us with thankfulness. So it not only shapes our brain, but transforms our hearts. Bless us as we recognize that you have loved us, that we may also love. To you be all praise and glory in your church. We pray in Christ. Amen.